Hello there, children. Uh, I'm in a bit of a pickle. Go and get your teacher, would you? I need someone who can definitely read. Not possibly read. It's like a cross between one flew over the cuckoo's nest and the tweenies. I'm an eight-foot dragon, you dick. I've been on hold for ten minutes. <laughs> I just want to cancel my broadband. <laughs> this is a standard nerds podcast. Hello and welcome to How Do You Like Me Now, the podcast where we go back and relive the golden years of kids TV. I'm Will, with me as always is Liz. Hello Liz. Here's Johnny. Okay. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm alright. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm well, existing. I mean surviving. That's the one. Okay. I am in existence. Good to know. Good to know that you have corporeal form <laughs> and are ready for a podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, this week is my pick. Ah, shit. I know, I know. You always get nervous. Do you know, I literally in my head, I was going, that's good. I haven't sworn on this in a while. <laughs> And all it took was me going, it's my pick this week. <laughs> yeah, that's all it took. <laughs> all right, well, this week we're doing something a little bit different. Oh. Now, this is something I remember distinctly from my youth, and I think a lot of people will, but I think a lot of people equally will not. Through the Dragon's Eye. Now, I feel like I've heard that said, but I don't have any real memory of that. See, now this is a bit different, as I said, because, as far as I'm aware, this was never on TV. This was a school's thing that I think people only ever watched in school. Right, okay. Yeah, and we went to very different schools, so there's every possibility that I didn't have this at my school. Every chance you didn't have it. Every chance that, basically, this was just a thing that occurred in the southwest and the Midlands, and I had it, and no one else did. Well, I'm going to ask you one question about it, which will seem weird, if the answer isn't yes. Okay. Okay. Were there badgers in it? No, there weren't badgers in it, as far as I can remember. There may have been. Then I don't think my school had it. (laughs) (laughs) Not that every video we watched had badgers, but close to it, I've got to say. I remember a very long, drawn-out badger story. I don't remember any dragon's eye. (laughs) I mean, I really want to know about this badger story. I just... I, I, I remember badgers... (laughs) <laughs> there's a big focus on nature at my school and it wasn't a documentary it was a storyline there was a story and badgers featured heavily and I've never been able to convey to anyone else what it was in order to get them to tell me what this programme was that we were watching because I can't think that it was teaching us about anything other than badgers <laughs> and I mean did you really need to know that much about badgers well, I think it's good to know about badgers. We we lived in the country and, you know, you don't want to disrupt the natural environment of the badger. No, no, true. You come Which across a set, you're going to leave it a be. A set, yes. Oh, see, so you knew that as well. Yeah. yeah. And yet your badger video watching was so limited. And you <laughs> still knew it was a set. Yeah, I don't know why, but I just think there was so much about badgers all the time. To the point where, like, it's not that I only learn about badgers... Is it like the ancient Egyptians in that you've studied it so much at school you now know far more than you really should? Yeah. Yeah, like you go to maths and it's, you know, how to add up badges. And, <laughs> and you go to science and it, you know, 
John has three life badges. cycle of Lucy the has five badges. Badger and English write a story about a badger. That's what I actually remember. Is that in English because we'd watched this video, we had to write a story about badgers. And yeah, you know, sex education. Here's, here's some badgers doing it. The, the good old badger porn came out. This makes me think that one of your teachers was just a badger fetishist. That is possible. I know which one it is as well. <laughs> I, I don't Let want to me say. Did he have black hair but these two white stripes running through no, it? No, it was a woman. I mean, I don't want to say her name. She's dead now, I'm sure. I'm sure she must be dead. She didn't look that alive when I knew her. But um, I don't want to say her name, just in case her family are out, out of respect for the fact that. <laughs> Their relative used to have sex with badgers. I won't say her name. <laughs> but she had one very long tooth. I will say that. So if anyone went to my school, I know which one it is. The one with the long tooth. <laughs> oh, my God. That does really narrow it down. Right, and I. this is the thing. Okay, I've had shit from you before about growing up in the West Country in a rural setting and things being a bit weird. But when you're telling me you had the teacher who was obsessed with badgers who had the singular long tooth... I think she was from the West Country, actually. Oh, come on now. You can't really throw that in there at a late stage. No, that's not true. She was from India. Okay. Uh, but she wasn't Indian. Right. She was like an old colonialist type. Okay. And is she obsessed with badgers? Yeah, I guess they didn't have them in India. No, I presume... I, I mean, where are badgers limited to? Europe, I think. Europe. Don't have them in America. They have raccoons. No, but Donald Trump's obsessed with badgers now, isn't he? Oh, that's weird. He's weird. He's been, I saw this the other day. Like he's, This is not meant to be a topical podcast, but he, he started asking loads of questions about badgers. He's big on badgers, is he? Apparently. No idea why. He's just asking about badgers. I think the draw of a badger is the implicit violence. <laughs> violence is implicit in badgers. Yeah. You just take it as red. Well, it, yeah. There's a violence about them. You know that they can do damage, despite the fact that they look a little cumbersome and... You know, sort of grouchy, maybe even, you know, not cuddly, but kind of soft, as though they couldn't. But there's there's violent undercurrents in a badger. Yeah. There's, there, I'm, the thing is, you think the honey badger is one of the most violent creatures on Earth. Yes, but that's much more openly violent. It is. I remember going to a zoo once and seeing a honey badger. Right, and it was it was literally doing the most terrifying thing I've ever seen any animal. Like normally, you go to a zoo and you see the predators and think they are lazing around in, in the sun because you know they're they're not lions and tigers. They're built for that chase and for the hunt. The rest of the time, they rest, conserve their energy. Yes. So, and I would expect this to be true of many such predators. Normally, when you go to the zoo, they are either moving around a little bit or they're sleeping or resting or anything like that. Went up to the honey badger enclosure, and this was just a fairly open enclosure. Like you could have quite easily jumped over a fence and got into this. It wasn't like complete cage run and there is a honey badger running back and forth along the perimeter of this thing it is like carved like a mud track along the edge of this thing and it is literally just running back and forth making like snarling noises like it's guarding its territory which i've never seen in any animal before or since you ever seen a tiger just you know going up and down no not not with any sort of sense of urgency right not with any sense of natural like i must protect only seen a lackadaisical tiger (laughs) I have, I've seen the tiger swanning about, taking it easy, but this honey badger was geared up. I have a photo of me as a child being snuck up on by a tiger, which when we put this episode up, I'll have to post on Instagram. Oh, definitely. It's a treat, I tell you. <laughs> yes, I once saw a baboon playing with itself. I don't know if that's relevant. I've forgotten the show we're doing. We're doing Through the Dragon's Eye. Okay, no, it's not relevant. <laughs> okay. We've just talked about badgers the entire time. <laughs> Uh, much like my school, much like my school. 
So, shall I tell you what I can remember about Through the Dragon's Eye? Why not? Why not? <laughs> right, it was an educational programme, okay, but it was set in an adventure story, okay? Right. So, the idea was that basically there were, I think, three or four friends who were protecting a giant glowing, like, rock orb thing, and then a villain of some description caused it to explode and spread all across this world that they lived in. And they had to go on a quest to recover all the different parts of it. So that's what they had to do. So they set out, and basically each episode would be a quest to get a bit of it back, dealing with something else like addition and subtraction and, you know, general things you need to learn for primary school. Oh, God, this sounds awful. Right, but this thing, okay, on the face of it, it was, but for some reason, there are people who've seen this, like me, like my friends went to school with, it's just entered their consciousness. Never forgotten it. Mm. Never forgotten it at all. I don't know what it is about it, but there are a few things with it which stick so vividly in my mind, I just can't forget them at all. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the characters carried a cricket bat, and he had a magic spell that he would use to make this bat change shape. The cricket bat would change shape? Yeah. Like, he would say, like, bat long, and it would extend in length. Bat long? Something like that. And he'd get a long bat? Yeah, he'd get a long bat. I wonder why that would enter the consciousness (laughs) of a lot of young boys. (laughs) Too young for that. Come on. I don't know. Try and make this filthy. When does sexual urge kick in? Don't know if I'm ready to answer that question yet on this podcast. <laughs> we'll let you know Doctor. when it does. Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh. When does the urge for a long dick kick in? That's the real question. Oh, Jesus. I think it's early. <laughs> Through the dragon's eye. <laughs> <laughs> Through the dragon's eye's got a different meaning to me now. Oh, no. Yeah, it's bound to happen. But. That's by the by. There was another an episode that I remember, and I can try and find it when we watch this. Is they were they had to escape quicksand. Oh quag- really? There was a quagmire at one right. point, and basically they got stuck in a quagmire and escaped it. And there was a real sense of peril. I remember as a young child watching this. Hmm. But this is the thing. I can't remember much else other than that. Okay, I I do have a sense that it went on for quite a long time. I don't think I've watched all of it at school. It was one of the things that was put on like once a week. We would watch an episode of Through the Dragon's Eye, and I. Can't remember us ever finishing it. Okay. I presume it did have an end as a series. They didn't just leave it on a cliffhanger. But you know, I'm quite intrigued to go back and, and watch this and see if my memory holds up and if what you think of it. Absolutely. So I think we should go and do that. Alright then. Alright, we're going to go and watch them through the dragon's eye and we will report back. Duncan, I'm blind! And we're back. So, Liz, we've just gone and watched... Two episodes of Through the Dragon's Eye. This is the weirdest shit we've watched. (laughs) I freaked out. (laughs) I think this is the first time I've ever asked you to pause it so that I could calm down. (laughs) You were really struggling with this. What just happened? What? just happened i mean go this was one of those things you hadn't seen any of this before at all you had no idea what this was going in this was totally new to me i can't believe they showed this in schools (laughs) because this was just an acid trip from start to finish so what i this had no educational value i've got us what was the first thing that threw you because it starts off in just a school and there's some kids painting a mural yeah and one of them's painting a dragon and she's painting an eye on the dragon. So it's got to have the eye. That's what gives it, you know, a bit of life. The first thing that threw me was they paint the eye of the dragon 
and he comes to life. And they look at him like, wow. And none of them turns to the other and says, am I tripping balls right now? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I say comes to life. He comes to paper mache, if you could call that life. The dragon is absolutely dreadful. Oh, no, I don't hear a word against Gorwen. He's dreadful. <laughs> he's a man in a suit, clearly. Yeah, right? he's not an actual dragon. Yeah, okay. And there's no CGI at this time, and clearly no budget either, because the costume is dreadful. He can barely walk. His, his, his dialogue, we'll get to... It's laughable. <laughs> this stands as a riposte to everyone who says the BBC is overfunded. If this is what they're knocking out... This isn't where they're putting the budget. No. I'll say that right now. <laughs> okay, so first I've got to take you up on the fact that it's called Through the Dragon's Eye. <laughs> yeah. Because we don't go through his eye, we go through his waterfall. <laughs> it's through the waterfall. But you look through the dragon's eye. Do we? Well, that pool that they go to is kind of shaped like a dragon's... Oh, the pool! I have so much to say about the pool. <laughs> I don't want to jump ahead too far. Okay, so where should we start? Let's start there. So Gorwen comes to life. In, in a playground. Commas. In a playground. He was part of a mural that these three kids had drawn. Yes. And then he comes to life and he takes those three children into his waterfall. Yes, he says, come behind the waterfall. And then It's he... quite safe. Which is always dodgy. <laughs> yeah, if somebody came to your kid's playground with a dragon costume on and said, come through my waterfall, it's quite safe. I'm just going to put that out there. That's not a good thing. If someone tells you that something is safe, you should doubt it. <laughs> and it's... Scott does doubt. These three kids... Scott's got some sense. <laughs> Scott is a bit of a doubter. Scott's the doubter. There's one called Amanda, who she's just 100%. She's all in. She's on board. Right from the get-go. The other one is a bit slow. That's uh, Jenny. Well, she's not slow. She's just not a confident reader. She's not a confident reader, uh, which turns out to be a really big drawback. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. So, right... He pulls them in, and straight away he starts laying down knowledge on them, right? <laughs> so he's like, I'm Gorwin, this is Pelamar. There's a whole heap of shit going on with our Vitacore, so things might just might just fade away. The flowers that she painted, they wilt when she touches them, yeah. right? So there's flowers there. She says, oh, these are the ones I painted. She touches them. That wilts like a spent dick. That thing... <laughs> That thing, woof, gone, right? <laughs> so <laughs> she turns to him and just goes, it just died. It just died. There turns out to be a lot of that kind of deep, like, existential dread going on. <laughs> okay, so he's going on about Vita core pelamots, I don't know what else, right? He, he says the Vita core has exploded. He's He's all in with the exposition. And it's like... It's so much straight away. You know when you pick up a fantasy novel and you read on the back and you're like, you know, meet Ayakurubadub. You know, he's got to save the kingdom of Gnarg because the Tumble Wumble has dropped through the river of doobly doos And you're like, oh, it's too much. Just put it back. I just want something where somebody's called Trevor and he's got a problem about a bean. <laughs> 
I think there was a uh, BBC Schools about Trevor and the Bean. Uh, I'm sure I remember Trevor and the Bean. That's <laughs> on, not, that's on next be. week's podcast. Trevor and his problematic bean. <laughs> oh, problematic oh bean? What is it, a racist bean? <laughs> sentient bean that tells jokes that are culturally appropriative. <laughs> And every week it's just Trevor going, no, Bean, you can't say that. Trevor? <laughs> oh, no, yeah, yeah. Bean, we can't say those things anymore. It's not 1978, Bean. <laughs> and then he, Trevor just looks at the camera and goes, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That BBC Commission money's going to come rolling in. I don't, know, I don't know how we just got to that, but that would be less weird than what we actually <laughs> just watched. <laughs> There's so many great bits in this, because this is just such a... Like you say, it's an absolute smack-bang in the middle of it. The Vita core has exploded. Areas will fade away. You know, we need to find out what's going on. Oh, oh, yeah, we do. Let us go to the pool, which, again... I have so many problems with the pool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) From the exhortation, let us go to the pool. You've already come behind my waterfall. Now let me take you to my pool. Yeah, and then... Come into this cave. Several times he has to say... Look into my pool and gesture downwards. And he might as well be saying, Look into my magic balls. <laughs> right? So he's got a little pool. It's very small, isn't it? It's, it's not an impressive pool. No, it's, it's a it, puddle. It's, it's, well, it's slightly deep. I think it's too deep to be a puddle. You he... call it a, a pool. It, well, it seems certainly deep. It, it, it's useful as, like a, as some way of viewing something. It's a viewing pool. A viewing pool, yes, yeah. that As old one of the concept. characters says, mm. it's like a video. And he goes, of a kind. So this is Dragon is familiar with video technology. Yes. Gorman is very up on technology, which is strange for a dragon. <laughs> Usually in fantasy, everything is kind of, you know, with a, a kind of medieval bent, isn't it? You know, very much the technology is, you know, we've, we're sitting by the fire, we don't have electricity, we don't have anything from the it's modern world. It's a kind world. of feudal state kind of thing. There's a-, a very medieval sensibility to it. Absolutely. But whilst Gorwen, Gorwen. is looking into his pool, he gets a call on a silver etch-a-sketch <laughs> from a gerbil. <laughs> Right? It's Which a mouse. Absolutely blew my mind. This he's literally he's in the middle of speaking. He's he's saying he's, he's saying something about some exposition and it just goes bring 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 like an old school phone and then he gets out a giant tablet like an iPad only shit <laughs> and calling is a man in a full-size rodent costume. Now, how can that be? How? What? Who decided that? <laughs> See, initially I thought, okay, they've got this pool idea, and clearly that's going to be right. Whenever you need to see what's happening or communicate something, be through the pools. Yes. And they've realised, wait, we're going to do this on the move. That doesn't work. You can't just find random pools all over the place that are magic. We'll give him, I don't know, a tablet. They invented an iPad! <laughs> they did they invented an iPad for this! <laughs> What I love as well is the back of it is scaly, like himself. So clearly it's actually part, designed to be part of him. Yeah, so amazing. You... <laughs> That's amazing. Imagine if on the back of people's iPhones they had a kind of flesh case. <laughs> Clip it into their arm yeah. and it's seamless. Yeah. You can't tell it's, it's like there. hair on it and moles and oh. stuff. And then they just pick it up and put it to their ear. But 
calling them is a video call from a giant rat. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're talking about here. That's what we witnessed. You know how people talk about like 2001 A Space Odyssey and how Kubrick mm. was massively ahead of his time because he, he yeah. like, predicted loads of stuff like video calling. This, this predi- predicts the iPhone. Did it predict it or did it sort of stumble onto a load of tropes from fantasy and sci-fi and just whack them all in there together? Well, maybe, maybe. Maybe it is just, it, I mean, it is a bit of a mishmash car crash of of tropes mm. this all together but i mean it's clear it's keen to remind you that it is in a fantastical world because you do have gorwen just in case you've when he's picked up this tablet yeah. you've got any questions someone says the dragon's here he goes i am a dragon of course yes gorwen's dialogue is amazing it's incredible i am a dragon of course is a great line but then also he's explaining about the keepers of the vita core yes okay which uh, just just to get off going for one second okay our first shot of the keepers of the vita core was absolutely amazing you get a glimpse of them in the pool don't you yes you you do and it's like a cross between one flew over the cuckoo's nest and the tweenies. <laughs> There's three brightly coloured people doing randomly, wildly disparate hobbies in corners of the room, not interacting with each other, just they've just been put there to look as wacky as is possible. Absolutely <laughs> wild. So that's that's the keepers of the Vita Core. So he's he's explaining that there's this book about the Vita Core or something. Yes, the book of the Vita Core. The book of the Vita Core. See, now they've gone mad on some terms, right? So Vita Core, don't know where that comes from, but they've gone with it, okay? But then other things have shit terms like the book of the Vita Core and the house of Vita Core. These are terror and the keepers of the Vita Core. <laughs> it's Vita Core house. They're really, really like they they wrote Vita Core and then they were like, let's go home for the day. That is. <laughs> That is amazing. You've been here for six hours to get Vita Core and have a piece of paper. I'm doing no more today. <laughs> no more. Let's go home. So, yeah, he's explaining that they've got to fix this Vita Core. Okay, it's been all broken up. All bits of it are all over the place or whatever. So they've got to fix it. They've got a book on how to fix it. But everybody forgot how to read. No one in Pelamar can read. This is... Right. No one in Pelamar can read. We forgot how... But Amanda, because she's, she's, you know, the only one with any sense, says about the keepers who have got the book, she's like, are you sure they can't read? And Gorwin says, no, I just have doubts. Gorwin, wouldn't you just, just, just pop around there or call them on your video phone, your fleshy video phone, and say, hey, lads, you know we've got to really get on this fixing the Vita Core. Do you know how to read the book? And if they go, no, then go, right, well, I'm going to pop into a children's playground and kidnap three kids to help us out. <laughs> I mean, I put it to you, though. It's an unnecessary plot detail to go, no one here can read. Are you sure they can't read? Well, no, I'm not sure they can't read. Let's check. Can you read? No, they can't read. That is an unnecessary <laughs> number of steps. Just go with no one can read and accept it and move on. They're very light on plot. Okay, I think that's the problem. Heavy on terminology, but very light on plot. The entire plot of this episode is taking those kids through 
the dragon's waterfall. Aye, through the okay. dragon. <laughs> through the dragon's waterfall is not as catchy a title. And getting them locked in for a quest. Yes. There's going to be a quest. We're a bit light on quest the first episode, but they're signed up to this quest. This is the establishing of the quest. This is this is the start of the journey, establishing what they're going to do on this quest. So, that, so basically they've had all this preamble, and yeah. now they're going to go to the house of the keepers, the Vitacore house. The Vitacore house. So they like fly... Like Animal House or like Robot animal. House. <laughs> Vitacore House! Exactly. They fly on the back of uh, Gorwen. Course. In some of the worst green screen flying I've ever seen. It was very poor. Appalling. But if it had been good, it would have shown Gorwin up. <laughs> <laughs> because Gorwin's shit. No, Gorwin's not shit. Did you tell me one way in which he's not shit. He's got gravitas in his voice. Wow. A deep manly voice and you think that's gravitas. He said, I am a dragon, of course. What's gravitas about that? <laughs> of a kind. <laughs> Unbelievable. Look into the pool. Come behind my waterfall. So, you know who else has not got gravitas? Who? The keepers of the Vitacore. <laughs> the keepers of the Vitacore. Okay, how let's talk bad about are keepers. they? <laughs> right. How did they get the job, the keepers of the Vitacore? I'm assuming it's maybe some kind of, you know, it's passed down, it's hereditary, and there's been years of inbreeding to the point where these three simpletons are just left well, with maybe, it. Maybe they're immortal. This is not well explained. The keepers of the Vitacore, okay, if you don't remember them or you have no idea what we're talking about, are three actors, two men and a woman. They have been painted different colours. They have. You have uh, Doris, who's purple. Doris, who's purple and looks a bit like Bill Hader. <laughs> no, I think you're thinking of Boris, who's red, looks like Bill Hader. Doris looks like Velma from Scooby-Doo. No, I think she looks like Bill Hader pretending to be Velma from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> whereas, whereas Boris looks like Bill Hader pretending to be someone else. <laughs> Boris looks like Bill Hader pretending to be the man from the Tango adverts. Okay, so so Doris is purple, yeah. and she has that Velma-type wig that, yeah. and, and round Billy Bunter-type glasses. Yeah. Okay, so she's entirely purple. Boris is entirely sort of red. But because it's 90s and old film, he looks kind of orangey. So, so yeah, he's a bit orangey-red. And he's got a kind of uh, striped Yeah, like, like he's going on a punt at Cambridge. A punt at Cambridge, exactly. That's the look, that's the look. The weirdest one yeah. is... Morris. Yeah. Okay, because he's green. Now, red and purple, they kind of work with flesh tones. Entirely green. Yeah. Except his mouth and eyes, which are vibrantly, you know, flesh coloured. <laughs> not, not green. They're, like, they're like they're like a white person's flesh, but that has been aggravated by aggressive makeup, <laughs> so that it's a kind of angry orange red, right? So he's he's green, and he has some outstanding knitwear. Oh, he does. I mean, he Morris is almost his profession as much as his name because he's very clearly meant to be a Morris dancer of sorts. What? He is. Only people who wear that much green, that much massive, voluminous knitwear just on their sleeves 
Just no knit. Morris dancing and knitwear has no crossover. No, no, this is knitwear that's like cargo netting. It is. It's like you've knitted with a, a cord or a rope. Exactly. And just you add a few strands of fabric in there and he is ready to Morris. Right. He has nothing to do with Morris dancing. We've done Morris dancing on this podcast before and I won't get into it again. <laughs> okay. Right. So Morris, Boris and Doris are all in this house together. And they're all arguing about this book, saying, you read it. No, you have a read. So even though... You know, I, I I got the feeling that they were immortal and have been there a long time with this book. Yeah. None of them have discussed the fact that they can't read. No. Well, up till now, I would argue they haven't needed to because the Vita Corps has just been there. What so long that then? that book has become caked in centuries of dust. Yes, yeah, yeah, centuries of dust. They've yeah. been there a long time. But none of them ever said, do you fancy having a read? No, and the no, others were like, do you know what? I can't read. Well, people used to be able to read, didn't they? But we all forgot how. <laughs> We've got these video phones. We don't need to read anymore. Unbelievable. Why did the Vita Core explode? Right. Okay. Was that explained in this episode or the other episode we watched or ever in the series? It's never explicitly explained, but there is a character, a big key character that we didn't see. Okay. Who is the villain. Right. Who is Charn. Charm. Charm the villain who's like a skeletal bird man who it's implied has caused the Vita Core to explode and he wants to use the Vita Core for his own evil purposes. Right. So basically at the end of the whole series, spoiler alert, they assemble the Vitons, put the Vita Core back together, and they have to recite a spell which is in the last page of the book of the Vita Core. Okay. If you change one or two of the words from life to evil, you basically can spread evil throughout the land, which is what Chan wants to do. Right. Right. We didn't watch that episode, any of the episodes with Chan, but in one of the episodes, the second episode we did watch, Jenny keeps talking about being cold, and that is because Chan is nearby. They don't know at that point, but when Chan is nearby, things get cold. Okay, well, I'm sad to have missed out on Chan. We can always go back and watch some more. No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, but you were talking about the, the v, Vitons there. Yes. Okay, the Louis Vitons. <laughs> Louis Vitons. No, so they're, they're these these giant glowing blocks yeah. that make up the Vita core. And I assume in some kind of puzzle, like a crystal maze or something. Yeah. They all fit together. So these glowing orange blocks are just knocking about and... They at the end of the the first episode, I think they read the book to find out that there should be twenty five of them, and at <laughs> that turned, point I was terrified. You turned to me when they said there should be twenty five. Went oh Christ, how many episodes are there? <laughs> and it turns out it's all right because they're only missing three. They've got twenty two, and you went oh thank God for that. <laughs> the relief I felt when I realised they were only missing three was. <laughs> the only true jeopardy that I felt in watching this. And I love you felt that jeopardy, even though you knew we were only going to watch two episodes. I know, I just didn't want that many episodes to exist. <laughs> it's like, they're spinning this plot wildly thin already. They can't possibly do 25. Okay, bearing in mind they have to find three Vitons and reassemble the Vita Core. How many episodes total do you think there are? Okay, so they didn't find one this episode, and I don't think they found any of the second episode. So I'm guessing there's other shit going down. Maybe they find one every couple of episodes, couple of episodes to wrap it all up. Let's just say ten. Bang on, ten episodes. Thank you. See, you're getting too good at this. That wasn't funny. But I do feel a sense of achievement because I, I feel like I've won. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> right, so we, we skipped ahead a little bit there. 
But reading is key to this. So the, the, the keepers can't read. The kids have been brought there to read. So it is a bit of a disappointment when they get in front of the book and Jenny says, I'm not one of the best readers. Oh, but but you're good. Feel- Why the fuck do they pick her then? <laughs> this dragon is... Bear in mind, this dragon's only become sentient in 30 seconds and has three kids in front of him. He's hardly going to go, ah, we need we need help from three adventurers. Who's good at reading? I'm a bit rough. Well, then you stay here, Jenny. <laughs> we'll bring your two friends along. Do you have any other friends who are good readers? That's exactly what I'd have fucking said. Wow. If I was that wow. dragon, I'd have said, oh, hello there, children. Uh, I'm in a bit of a pickle. Go and get your teacher, would you? I need someone who can definitely read. Not possibly read. Definitely read. Even long words. So just nip over there. Get, you know, Mrs. Mrs. Wilkins. Tell her to pop along with me. You could have a day off of school. You wouldn't even need three then, would you? Mrs. Wilkins will be able to read all of the words. Jenny can't read for shit. Jenny can read well, and she gets better as the series goes on. I'm going to put this out. This is not, this would not make a fantastic. Here, kids. Here's the importance of reading, and here's the thing to encourage you to read. If the first thing the dragon did would say, "Children, you can't read for shit. Fetch me an adult. Fetch me a ch- an adult here now." Brandreth, do you have Giles Brandreth nearby? What the hell would Giles Brandreth be doing in a children's playground? Well. That's a fair question. Don't answer that what's question. A, what's a living don't dragon answer that question. We don't want to get sued. Okay. Now listen to me. Listen to me. A teacher would be nearby. Right? So just get a but, teacher. But as soon as the dragon appears, everyone else vanishes. The teacher is nearby when they start painting. The teacher's right there. The dragon appears. Everyone else vanishes. Convenient that, isn't it? Well, yeah. It's almost like it was plotted out that way. I'm just saying, if you want to save your entire realm and it all hinges on being able to read don't pick the worst reader in class she's not the worst reader in class how do you know how do you know how do you know because she is shit at reading that's how i know she's not she reads through when she first sees the book she goes oh i can't read a word of this and they go no look work it out like mrs wilkins said you know try out a bit at a time and she reads through she reads stuff. She can't read, you know, necessitating or inescapable, or whatever it is. I could read French when I was her age, and I never learnt French. Do you know that? I did not know that. I've still got my reading record uh, somewhere from my basically my entire primary school career. And I learnt to read before I went to primary school. Not mm-hmm. all the kids did. So the teachers used to spend quite a lot more time with... The yeah, kids that needed my help, which is absolutely, uh, you know, right. But that meant that every time in my reading record, it just said, read with expression, which is code for wants to be centre stage and has a desperate need for attention, <laughs> <laughs> which I now realise. So, yeah, so everybody else would get a long passage where their teacher would say, you know, needs to work on this, had trouble with this, perhaps at home, mum and dad can help her, uh, him with this sort of thing, and all that sort of stuff. And I would just get read with expression. And so that meant that everybody else was getting one of these books every year. I kept mine for the entirety of primary school, read with expression. But there is a part in there where one of my books had a couple of French phrases in it so it was just like an English character but they said you know civu play on the end of it and I just sounded it out and said it and I tell I tell you why they thought it was because I was some sort of genius kid but it was because I used to watch a lot of Only Fools and Horses I was going to say was this, was this book learning to read with Boise 
now please, it was Del Boy who used uh, <laughs> French phrases. No, but genuinely, because they were just those sort of French phrases that have made it into English expressions that Del Boy might have used. I managed to say Monge them. Monge two, monge two. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what book it was, but yeah. So my, my teacher, my teacher is sat there with a kid who's like seven, who's, you know, everybody else can barely read English, who just suddenly drops out a French phrase and it's like, oh my God, this is a prodigy. In my head, I'm like, I think that's how Del Boy says it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so this, okay, so this suddenly makes sense to me of why you're saying get the, go and get the good reader this dragon. Yeah, it's, I want to be. I want to be on the adventure. It's, it's bitterness that you're not going on the adventure. That actually, it's Jenny going on there. I tell you what. I tell. Okay, just while we're on bitterness, okay. The weatherman from local news came in to our school. Right. His name was Ron Lobeck. Okay. <laughs> if you're listening, Ron. <laughs> He's dead. He's dead now. A uh, long time ago, I'd imagine. Um, no, but Ron Lobeck came in for the day. So it was a big day, you know, at our primary school, Ron Lobeck coming to see the kids. And they wanted to do a photo. We, I think we made like a weather, a rain gauge or some, a weather vane or something. And they wanted to do a photo with Ron Lobeck. And they said, just choose two kids rather than the whole class, just a couple of kids. And so they chose a boy, right, who was like the goodest boy in class. And I was the goodest girl in class. I was always the goody two-shoes. The teacher literally looked at me and said, let's have someone different. Literally, I saw her eyes go, me, let's have someone different. Then chose a pretty blonde kid. Right? Savage. I'm guessing that pretty blonde kid doesn't even remember Ron Lobeck. I'm so bitter about that event, I still remember it. (sighs) She didn't have to say... She didn't have to say, let's have somebody different. She didn't have to say, we always give the opportunities to the intelligent one in class. Let's give them to the pretty one for a change. She didn't have to go there. (laughs) I don't think I will ever tell a story that tells you more about me than that. (laughs) Sorry, do continue. Good to see you working through some stuff. I uh, am. I, yeah. Nice cathartic experience <laughs> for you. See, while you were meeting Ron Lobeck, I was watching through the dragon's eye. This is sure, sure. Yeah. After my school. What do you think was more character for me? <laughs> I'm going to now. They're probably the Ron Lobeck incident. <laughs> but what character is formed? I mean, good lord. That thing of like. Yeah, at school, did you have a bell? Like, at primary school, did you have, like, a bell that rang end of lesson and stuff like that, end of break? Not primary school, no. Okay. See, my my secondary school, we had a bell thing there. But my primary school, we actually had a, an old handbell, and it would be someone's job to run around the school ringing the bell, because our school was, like, a giant square. Did you give it to, like, a humpback kid? No. No, they didn't. But it always went... Basically, it went to someone who arrived... Literally, it was like, someone arrived first day, they got given that, and that was their job for the next six years. Um. And I always felt a little hard done. I was like, I'd like to do that, at least once rotate it through the kids you know yeah that's a that's a different thing to do it breaks up your day it's a small thing rotate it through no 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 it was the same kid for like six years and when they went off sick they'd given they'd arranged separately with their best mate to do it instead i was like come on this nepotism you know this will not stand outrageous absolutely outrageous couldn't oh i was having none of it were you you ever a prefect or a librarian i was a prefect and i was a vice captain of my house oh 
I mm. was, I was. I was, wasn't a house captain. No. Very good friend of mine was, though. But yeah, I was prefect, and then I was a, I was a vice captain. This is all in secondary school. We didn't have this in primary school. I was a librarian in primary school. Really? We didn't have librarians. What did you have to do as a librarian? Uh, I cleaned all the books. Okay. And I put them all back in alphabetical order. Oh, It's a very key skill for a librarian. Absolutely it is. And I sat in the school library with my best mate, who was also a librarian, and didn't go out on the playground for the entirety of year six. (laughs) 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 Okay. Also tells you quite a lot about my character. (laughs) Okay. I want to talk about... (laughs) Basically, the Vitacore house. So, when they've got there and they arrive, all the keepers of the Vitacore slam all the doors and the windows shut. I say slam the windows shut, they basically slam wooden boards. Shutters. They're shutters. There aren't any windows, they're just shutters. And they close them. Gorwen and the kids arrive. Mm. Rody arrives and goes, uh, he arrives in five minutes. We should talk more about Rody. We'll get to okay. Rody. Okay. But I want to basically get to, they arrive, they can't get in so he calls them again on the dragon phone and, and first thing Morris says where are you calling from I'm outside you know where I am that's the closest that I got to actually finding it funny not just freaky was a dragon angry on his video call you know where I am I'm stood right outside your door I'm a I'm an eight foot dragon you dick I've been on hold for ten minutes <laughs> I just want to cancel my broadband. (laughs) (laughs) But they get inside. Rhodey arrives. But basically what they've had is they've had a message flash up which says the Great West Lake is now a high fade zone. Nothing remains alive. The keepers don't believe them. Yeah, because they get that message in text form. They do. So the video phones can also do texts. Which again, this is a smartphone they've got. But they can't read, Will. So who texts them that? Rody, no. Oh God, that's a good question. Maybe it's one of those voice to speech, voice to text things. Who would invent a voice to text thing in a realm where no one can read? <laughs> Does it make sense? Will, <laughs> Will, who texts them that? <laughs> that's a really good point. No one can read. So how would they know to? <laughs> Where's this magic dragon phone come from? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> who's invented and built a magic... Who's coded a magic dragon phone in a world in which no one can read? Why has it even got a text function? Exactly! Exactly! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I missed that entirely. <laughs> it's the biggest gaping plot in the world. <laughs> Why? <laughs> It's not even, right, it's not even that that's the only option that that phone has. And they were like, maybe someone there will be able to read it, so we'll just send it because we have got voice-to-text functionality, right? It's not even that. It's a video phone. Just video call. But it's interference. There's so, interference. There's interference, which comes into play a lot. Uh, so, yeah, funny that, isn't it? Again, probably... Terrible network signal across. There's no four, there's no four G across Pelamar. No, it's, no, it's suffering from that. That might be also to do with the high fade zone. It could well be the high fade zone, which it's... I I thought was something to do with haircuts. But <laughs> they land and some shit has disappeared, and so Pelamar's like, no, 
gore when the dragon's like, oh yeah, yeah, don't. This is a high fade zone, so watch out. Yeah, things might and fade, things disappear, and again, collapse. took a day off with that description, didn't they? Absolutely, they did. Absolutely, did oh. they? You know, they're they're rushing through some bits and putting far too much into other bits. But Rody arrives to confirm. That it's a high fade zone because he says I've just flown over the uh, Great West Lake and everything's gone. Yes. Now, quick question before we go to Rody: How's he flying? Well, yeah, Rody. I previous when we, I saw him on the video screen, I previously thought was an albino squirrel or a gerbil. Okay. When he arrives, it's fairly clear that he's meant to be a mouse. Yes. Okay. He's doing the little. He, he's a human size at this stage. Yes. Right. He's a person in a suit. He's white. And he's 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 rubbing his whiskers. He's got a tail. He's he's a mouse. He's, he's a giant sized mouse. Yeah. He's a mouse. He's a mouse. Quite recognisably a mouse. Hasn't got wings. Nope. How does he fly? And then in the next episode, he's a mouse sized mouse. Yes, he is. He gets transformed into a mouse. I think in the episode. In the second episode, the second which episode. we skipped up, we skipped over and we watched the third episode. Yes. Which I think you had your own personal reasons for. Which I did. I'm sure we'll delve into. But but Rody becomes. A, a, a mouse that you would see in our real world. He's an a- actual mouse. <laughs> he is an actual mouse. The listeners at home cannot see my gestures, <laughs> but I'm trying to get across to you so much that they had the suit already. They had a person in a suit, but they went, you know what we need? We need to... A, a live mouse. This six-foot mouse is not believable enough. Get us a proper mouse. But why? They've already got the shittest dragon I've ever seen. Okay? Why does the mouse change? I don't know. I do not know. Maybe to add some peril. Just add a sense of peril. Peril. Yeah. You've, got to, he, you've got to inject some is peril. Is he restored to his previous At state? At the end of it, he does get restored to his previous state. Okay. But a lot of other characters... Because he can still speak as a mouse mouse. Yes, he can. He can still speak as a mouse mouse <laughs> rather than a man mouse. Man mouse. <laughs> Man mouse or mouse mouse, but he so he gets carried around in people's pockets after that for a while until he gets down and starts to run. Yeah, which I've, I'm I'm skipping to the next episode now, but there is an entire scene where they discuss the various smells of their pockets. Yes, there, there is a scene where they discuss the smells of their pockets. Will <laughs> there is, you know, for the purposes of which pocket shall I ride in? But why have a scene where you discuss the smells of pockets? <laughs> One smells of feet, one smells of peppermints. Why have a scene extended by a discussion of whether or not you know people can't read? Oh, oh. Oh, Also, in terms of filler, I I skipped over this. I can't believe I nearly forgot to mention the songs. The songs! The songs are amazing! Oh, The, The songs are outrageously bad. Outrageously bad. There's barely a tune. They're sung, you know, speaking of teachers, as we were earlier with Mrs. Wilkins, they're sung in exactly the voice that your teachers used to have. Yes. Which is that they're singing all the right notes, but without any melody in their voice. Absolutely, because the key thing is diction, that you you hear all the words, and music is secondary. The tune is secondary when you're teaching people through song. I wrote down down one of the lines that I enjoyed from... Uh, the song in the first episode, and I will try to sing it to you now as it was sung on the show. Okay, withered, died, the life force is leaving us, exploded, gone. Why? 
would you write such a depressing song? Why? It's sung in this shrill woman's voice, and then there's a man, I think, who sings the theme tune as well. Yes. Why would you write such a ba- a, a depressing song? You have to. You have to set those stakes high, Liz. You know, you've already got these kids behind the waterfall and looking into the pool on a, a very loose pretense of whether or not people can read. For this, you've really got to go all out. Look, everything is going to die unless you kids buck up your reading skills and start reading that pissing book. This song is sung, but it, it, the words are like those that are, are, are a Frenchman in a state of ennui, lounging <laughs> against a sofa... Throwing his 80th cigarette into a pack into a pile of 80 cigarette butts, right? Would sing. Withered dies, the life force is leaving us. It is unbelievably bad. An old drunk slumps against the lamppost with a broken melodeon. You could put that song, right, on top of some like slowed down black and white footage of an inner city. It would be dangerous. It would come with a health warning because people would be so depressed watching it. They would go, do you know what? There is actually no point in living. (laughs) And what I'm saying to you is that's not an appropriate song for a children's television show. (laughs) I I take your point. I take your point. I mean, the second episode... You, You chose the second episode specifically. I did. I did because it was the one I remembered... There was a bit of it I really remember. I don't know why the whole bit with... So the second episode, quick run, they basically... You get a recap of what's happened. Yes, which I found very useful. Which is very useful to find out. So they're now in the land of Widge, where the other Vetons have flown off to in the explosion when the Vetor explodes. Jenny has stayed behind at the house. To read the book, even though Jenny's the one that can't read! Furious. I was furious when I saw that. <laughs> Don't leave her behind. The bitch can't read. <laughs> That's a little strong. <laughs> she is a child. I know. So, yes, you basically... And it's good like, It's good thing you have got the recap, because otherwise this would have made no sense at all of why Rody oh, is a normal size, oh, why the they're Rody suddenly bit. surrounded by Ewoks, why yeah. they're suddenly in a different I gonna, place. I was going to say to you, the land of Widge, right, is where the Widgets live. Yes. And if you hadn't said Obviously. to me that the Widgets are Ewoks, they are just Ewoks, okay? They haven't got as much garb as Ewoks. That's the only difference. Do you want to know an amazing factoid about the Widgets? I'm not sure it will be amazing. It's going to blow your mind. Okay, go on. Right. You know how normally in like anything where you've got people in mad costumes that you can't see any faces of them, and it's one of those big things normally in a film, there's someone in there you don't expect, right? Right. Like, you know how in Red Dwarf, Ainsley Harriet is one of the Gelfs. In um, Star Wars, Force Awakens, Daniel Craig is one of the Stormtroopers. Okay. Right. One of the widgets is, no word of a lie, Barry Chuckle. I don't believe that, Will. It is true. I, I looked it up. No, Will, One of the widgets is Barry Chuckle. No, Will, the widgets are little people. No, not all of them, but you've seen them en masse. What? One of them is Barry Chuckle. He's a small guy. It Was he the little one? I don't think he's the littlest one. What do you mean? He's not even the smallest chuckle brother. <laughs> no, he is the smallest. I thought he meant was he the little widget. No, he's... he's <laughs> He's definitely the smallest chuckle brother. <laughs> <laughs> He's not even the smallest. 
Right. Oh, relative relative heights, you've got Paul Chuckle, then Barry Chuckle. I'm going down. I'm doing a hand gesture here, but let's go. Tallest is Paul Chuckle, then yeah. Barry Chuckle, mm. then you've got the rest of the widgets. And they're quite close to Barry Chuckle, but Barry Chuckle is one of those widgets. Right, okay. Well, I said I wouldn't be amazed, and I'm not, because I don't believe you. Because you don't find that incredible? It was quite clear to me that the widgets were being played by people who had forms of dwarfism. Right. Some of them, not all of them. Which doesn't include Barry Chuckle. <laughs> Wikipedia tells me Barry Chuckle is one of the widgets. Wikipedia's full of shit. I could have put that right. on there. Yeah, but who on earth is doing this kind of... Literally, that, if you're a person who's gone on there and fraudulently <laughs> put that Barry Elliot, as who is you know Barry Chuckle, was one of the widgets, and you've put it in the page for Through the Dragon's Eye, you put the link there, you've literally put it there solely to mess with one person, and that's me. There's no way anyone else is going to... Like, this isn't a flame war someone started over whether or not Barry Chuckle was in Through the Dragon's Eye as a widget, right? This, literally, no one else has ever read that except me. I bet you no one has clicked on that link except me. I'm the first person in history probably to click on that link on Wikipedia. The Through the Dragon's Eye community are going to come for you now. There isn't a Through the Dragon's Eye community. Absolutely is. It's basically me and about four people who went to my school. <laughs> there absolutely is. People love this, right? And they're going to come for you. Okay. They're going to say, you know, I read that about Barry Chuckle. I was dubious because all of them seem to be bigger than Barry Chuckle. But, but I let Barry it slip. Barry Chuckle's a very small person. I let, I let it slip. He's much smaller than Paul. So Paul's the big chuckle brother. Paul is the big chuckle brother. Right. It's like Ant and Deck. Ant and Paul are the big ones. See, Deck again, and Barry are the small ones. Right? Imagine you had Ant and Deck stood next to Warwick Davis. I'd be able to tell the difference. <laughs> I wouldn't go, well, that's Ant. The other two, God, I'm struggling. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's what I thought you were going to say, is that one of them was Warwick Davis. And I was going to say, that's not amazing to me, because I know he's done bigger things than this. Oh, that's... <laughs> So the, the the widgets are are basically Ewoks. Yeah. Okay. From from Star Wars, they're the Ewoks. They they look almost identical. Yeah. A cheap version, no clothes, as I say. They're pranksters, aren't they? Yeah. They stole on the Viton. They, they are, have a Viton. They have a Viton. Boris and the big dragon fella. Gorwin. Gorwin, and Scott of, and Amanda and a couple of the kids. They speak to them via Rodi because they don't speak the same language. Establish that they've got a Viton or know where one is, but they send them off in the wrong direction. Yes. And so we see the Viton's speech bubbles, because all of this is about teaching kids to read. Yeah. I mean, in the first episode, I was getting a bit angry, because it seemed to be teaching us how to spell things like Vitacor, <laughs> and Gorwen, and Palmyra, or whatever the... Pelamar, no, where the Pelamots live. The Pelamots. So, but... Uh, now, yeah, so it, there's a lot of words on screen at times. So we see the speech bubbles of the, the Ewoks say, ha ha, joke's on you, you know, fuck off that way, or whatever. <laughs> uh, and so they go off, right? Now, this really made me angry, okay? Right? Okay. They go off. Meanwhile, 
Jenny's back at the ranch. She's reading the VitaCore book, hand manual, right? She's struggling her way through it because she's shit at reading, <laughs> right? And... <laughs> really got in for Jenny. <laughs> Don't keep leaving her to read. If she's the one that can't read. Anyway, right, so Jenny figures out that there are these things called Vita rods that help you find the Vitons, right? Yes. None of the keepers mentioned this, so their problems extend far beyond not being able to read, right? They've literally got a Viton detecting device and none of them thought to mention it. They've checked out. They've checked out. I bet they probably blew up the, the Vita call. Probably did. Through incompetence. Probably mm-hmm. did. Yeah. Right? So there's these Viton rods, which is like a dousing rod for a Viton, right? Yeah. So, and they're like, oh, we've got, to, we've got to get a message to them. So they send it through their textual uh, texting device yeah. that they have, which nobody knows how it was invented. But the words come up jumbled because of interference. What are you going to do? Uh, you know how that happens with oh, text messages, doesn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. You get interference and the words come through in a different order. Absolutely. And that is what people have, the problem people have been having for years. Where yeah. they've been mistyping things like fancy a quickie when it's fancy a quiche, all this kind of stuff. Yes. And you're know, accidentally texting like, oh, I was absolutely wasted last night to their bosses, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But they don't go, oh, God, well, this bloody autocorrect. What they do is they sit down and laboriously write out the words in the right order. <laughs> I know it's for teaching kids to read, but I thought they were going to say, that there was going to be a bit where they sat there and like, oh, we've got to put the subject at first and then the verb. No, it's just, well, actually, if you say these words, there's really only one order they can go in. Well, this is, a th- I like that though. This is practical skills. You know, you teach kids like subject and verb and now, these are extra terms you're throwing in. The basic core concept is if you understand syntax... This is how it works. I don't know if we have anybody who is not a native English speaker that listens to this podcast, right? But I think you will find that in other languages, they do actually teach you rules. But in English, it's so fucking random that you just have to teach people that that's how it sounds and hope that they get it. Yeah, English is an absolute nightmare. And even the rules you have got don't work. Like... I before E, except after C. Well, not always. Sometimes in a different order and this kind Terrible of Terrible rule. Yeah, awful rule. The fact we're it's a, English is a language built on idioms, right? Idioms make no sense to anyone else. Yeah, yeah. In fact, we have the same word that can be pronounced eight different ways. Yeah, yeah. It just makes no sense. Oh, can we talk about... Can we talk about the song in this one? Yep, absolutely we can. Right, so this song has a theme... Yes, because... Actually, no, we need to talk about the scene first. Talk about the scene. So, basically, the widgets are taking them down a path. The message comes through, they unscramble it. And, and it says, get your Vita rod out. Get your Vita rod out. And Boris. Gawain asks Boris, do you have one? He goes, yes, it's in my backpack. Well, what good is it doing in there? And I like Gawain because he's to getting be fair, incredibly yeah. irritated, yeah, yeah. as I feel you were uh, as I well. I was on his side at that point, yeah. So, they get the Vita rod out. The Vita rod starts quivering, so they yeah. follow the Vita rod, yeah. even though it's going a different way to the widgets want them to go, and they come across a quagmire. They come across a quagmire. What is a quagmire to you? A quagmire to me is a swamp okay. that you can sink into. So here it's a sort of muddy puddle. Yes. It's Vicar of Dibley style, up to your neck puddle. Yeah, absolutely. And again, strangely, for a realm in which nobody can read, there's a sign <laughs> beside it saying, Danger... Quagmire. Did you pick up on this, Will? <laughs> I did. My favourite bit of that, though, is after they, they get Boris out, because Boris 
and and we haven't talked about Boris's magic cricket bat. But no, we get to that. We get to that. He, we, <laughs> they pull him out, and Scott goes, "Do you know if the widgets can read?" Right, we've already established no one can read here. Yeah. Or how bad is Gorman's knowledge? He goes, no one in Pellymar can read. Or what about the Except keepers? Except for maybe the keepers maybe and the, maybe the widgets. widgets. Well. Gorman, are you just telling us you can't read and you're yep. a little embarrassed by it? Well, <laughs> I might be. I'm a, <laughs> I am a dragon after all. That's exactly what's That's happening. why I use this phone all the time. Gorwin is just, he's one of those old blokes, right? He's like a 50-year-old man reading the Daily Mail going, nobody can read. Oh, do you mean you can't read, Gorwin? Well, if I can't do it, nobody can. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Right. So, so, no, so we get to a quagmire, yes. right? It's a, it's a shit quagmire, but it's a quagmire. Yeah. And Boris... The red cricket guy goes in it yes. because he can't read the sign that somebody who also can't read wrote. <laughs> okay, it's in English. <laughs> it is really <laughs> right. He's in the quagmire now. He left his magic cricket bat on the side somehow, yep. so the others can reach it. The magic property of that cricket bat is that it gets slightly larger. Oh, no, no, no. That is one of the magic the properties of this magic cricket bat that we saw in this episode. In another episode, he turns into a skateboard. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, in this episode, when he's stuck in a quagmire, it goes from being, I don't know how long the average cricket bat is, but from, from three foot long to about four and a half feet long. <laughs> it's the worst magical transformation I've ever seen. It goes just long enough to, for him to grab it so they can pull him out. But not then long enough for them to use it as a plank to get across the quagmire. No, no. They have to use a log instead. They have to use a log, which is on the side of the quagmire, on a piece of land, which is solid, which they could easily walk across. <laughs> yeah, they could do. They could quite easily walk around this thing. But this is this is the point you're trying to teach kids. Be aware of quagmires. And I, oh, from watching absolutely. this as a kid, I was always worried about quagmires as a result. Were thought, you really? I thought, yeah, if I come across one that isn't well signed, I'm going to fall in. I could die. I haven't got a magic cricket bat. Well, conversely, I didn't watch this. And so I don't think I even knew the word quagmire at But see, But this is this my stage. thing, right? There's loads of kids stuff where it seemed like that had quagmires or quicksand or all these kind of things in where you can fall into and drown or die, mm. right? Mummy Returns has it in there. And you know, all this, there's all... Is that for kids? Yeah. It's got a kid in it. Right. But that's got, it's got there's all this stuff with quicksand in it. Right, other examples I can't think of off the top of my head right now. But and this is the thing, as a kid, this is a genuine fear for me that I might come across a patch of quicksand in the middle of Gloucestershire. But were you fifty miles from any open water? I admit you 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 may come across a quagmire in Britain. Yes. Okay, but I knew the word marsh. Aren't you more? Well, you grew up next to one. Well, that's true. Do you have to call a quagmire a quagmire? Is it not a swamp or a puddle or no, a marsh I, I, or a bog or... No, because I think those things have, like, a quagmire pulls you in. Quagmire, to me, is mostly used in a metaphorical sense now. You yeah. know, that this, we're entering a sort of quagmire means a bad situation sort yeah. of thing. Or, or, or even just a mire. People just call it now a mire. I'm going to look it up. I'm looking at what a quagmire is. Well, that will be fascinating. Okay, right. Quagmire is a soft, boggy area of land that gives way underfoot. Boggy. 
right? So that, gives, that gives way underfoot. That's the key thing. Would you not say the fact that you just looked that up on your phone means that this episode that we just watched didn't teach you sufficiently what it was? I knew what it, I knew what it was enough to be aware of it, to be wary of the quagmire. And you know what else added to my being aware of the quagmire? The quagmire song. The Quagmire song is the worst song. <laughs> Actually, I, I, no, the other song bummed me out more. This song, it, so the, the theme of this song is Q-U words. Yes. Okay, so it's like quit your quest and this sort Quite of, quickly. Quite quickly. But it also says, I will quell you, which is not a use of quell no. I've ever heard. That's not a use of quell. So in a show that's about teaching kids words and how to read and how to use language, they use it wrong just to fit their shitty song? Is, is anybody okay with this or not? <laughs> this song serves one purpose, which is to teach you things you can use at Scrabble. Okay. Who didn't know you could use quit at Scrabble? You will never get the letters for Quagmire. <laughs> If you do, more power to you because you've got your bonus fifty points there. You're, you're way ahead if you if you lay quagmire. Yeah, if I ever draw like tiles to Scrabble and it says quagmire, I'm fucking. It's more letters you get in Scrabble, will. I'm declaring there. If there's already Q, if there's an E on the board and I've got quagmire, I'm putting that down. I'm putting that down. <sighs> that will never happen. I know, but one day we can dream. We can dream. The only thing I think that is that tops. The badness of the Quagmire song is then having to watch a man in an eight-foot dragon costume walk perilously across a log. That was oh, that made me laugh because <laughs> why? There's no reason to make him. No, you just cut away, don't you? you just Plus, you have he somebody... can fly. You've established he can fly. They will, will. They didn't have the budget to have him fly in that scene. Okay, but you just have the kids walking across, and then you cut away, and magically the dragons across. But no, they had two actors helping that poor dragon guy onto the log. <laughs> then you see him tentatively walk across the log, like like I do when I'm walking in icy conditions, yeah. right? So like a fat lass on ice, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. This this dragon. <laughs> tiptoes across this log and then the 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 thump on the other side that actor is so relieved <laughs> to make it off that log without having to reshoot <laughs> how many takes do you think they took where they did where they fell into the pool i think i definitely think that there were several takes where he couldn't even get on the log yeah. because he has almost no ability to lift his feet up. No, absolutely. So the step up to the log was too much. So by the time they got him on the log, I think there's no way he was falling off that. If he if he fell off that, they'd have had to cancel the whole series, right? He, when he got on that log, he's like, I'm making it to the other side. I'm not reshooting this now. <laughs> it was about 50 takes to get him on the log. One take once he was on there. <laughs> Done. Bosh. What a way to sort of to cap this episode with a perilous walk across a log, made perilous only by the fact you're in an eight-foot dragon costume. That is one of those things that you do to actors that they <laughs> just... I went to Rada for this. Yeah, there are so many people who want to be actors that they have to put up with any old shit. <laughs> and being an eight-foot dragon without the ability to step higher than two inches for scene after scene after scene must have been depressing. <laughs> Well, there we are then. That is Through the Dragon's Eye. Liz, time for the question. Now, you've never seen this before, but Through the Dragon's Eye, how do you like me now? 
I have to say, I am thinking about putting in a complaint to Ofsted <laughs> retrospectively that this was ever shown in schools because this has almost no educational merit, I would say. <laughs> I can't believe, I can't believe kids were having their time wasted with this. I thought, I thought it was humorous in a, in a kind of naff retro way. But genuinely, I thought that it was terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> See, I think there's a certain charm about it, for me going back to it, because this is trying to do so much... And failing on so many levels. It tries to build a massively complex world, but never irons out the creases. Can anyone read? No. But maybe... Everyone can nearly read. <laughs> read. We need to get video messages. We need to communicate across long distances. Have this video phone. That makes it too easy. Or I add interference. That makes it too hard. Okay, add a text thing. And you said, how do you have a text thing in a world in which no one can read? What's the purpose of that? Why is it there? Who made it? <laughs> Why does this dragon have a phone that's part of him in a world where there is no other technology? Everything is magic, and he has a magic technical box, <laughs> which has speakers on it <laughs> and a video screen. Are you going to be going back and watching the rest of the series? I think I've thought about it. No. No, I'm not. What? <laughs> This has entertained me, right, yes. for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> this has not entertained me because this is good. This has entertained me because this is, frankly, horrendous in places. But it is very funny. It is very entertaining. And if you like a laugh, I would say go and watch it. Not for the what it is, but for the entertainment it will give you for it being just absolutely mental. Sure. Hey, Will. Hey, Liz. Do you know what that means? What? I think we agree on something. Oh, my God, I think we do. Wow. wow. Okay. We should end the podcast right now. That's the last episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's all over. <laughs> Absolutely not. We will be back soon for another episode. But, Liz, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. And if you want, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at HDYLMN1. Or you can find us on Instagram. We are at How Do You Like Me. And we will be back soon with another episode. This is a Standard Nerds podcast.